story eleven of around the yule log by willis boyd allen this librivox recording is in the public domain story eleven through the storm part one lisbeth lisbeth what you doin' out there it was a sharp high-strung voice yet not loud or ill-natured the speaker stood at an open door between the kitchen and an outer porch the latter built of rough boards and showing little wet streaks on the floor where the storm had thrust its snowy fingers the night before the silence of the place was broken at intervals by a regular series of dull blows lasting two or three minutes and interspersed with muffled splashings lisbeth can't you leave off churnin a minute i want my specs all right father i'll find em for you Smallmost come the last words were emphasized by such an energetic pounding that the window sashes with their small old-fashioned panes rattled like cymbals there there you needn't knock the bottom out of the churn said the first speaker with a movement among the wrinkles of his face that betokened a smile i can hold on a spell longer i guess just bring me a mug of buttermilk when you got through the keen air swept through the porch and lifted the leaves of a yellow-covered almanac that hung against the wall the old man took it down from its nail and closed the door with a shiver when shiftin back he mused soon's ever i get my glasses i'll see what the almanac says tain't much use for wesley to break out the road even if the hill folks is comin twill be over the walls for the trains in he walked slowly to a pile of wood that lay near the fireplace paused before it a moment with a shrewd look whistling in a sort of whisper then picked out a stout birch stick with the bark hanging in strips and laid it with great deliberation on the fire which was already crackling and roaring up the chimney in a broad blaze and sending its generous glow to the farthest corner of the room a few moments later the door opened and showed a quiet little figure and a cheery face that irresistibly suggested thanksgiving christmas comfort and reliableness all in one it was evident that if her forty years or so had brought her many sorrows they had given a wonderful inward peace and strength that is not afraid of evil tidings she was dressed plainly with her sleeves rolled up to the elbows here's your milk father and there's your glasses now right on top of your head she said stooping forward a little and speaking in loud clear tones lor sake so they be i declare i'm getting so forgetful and i can't hear no one about the house but you lisbeth strange how my hearin's failed me this year but want for you here his voice quavered a little but he was happily interrupted by the entrance of a broad-shouldered clear-eyed young fellow who advanced to the fire and holding out his hands to its genial warmth stamped off upon the brick hearth a few bits of snow that had clung to his stout boots well grandfather we've got a spell o weather this time he shouted old bonnie big has her nightcap on and i saw two or three flakes as i came in lisbeth he continued the visitors up at the hill won't any more than get here to-day i guess sam fifold down at the depot says he has orders to have a pung ready for a lot of boxes and a sleigh for the women and children that are comin down to christmas i've broken out as far as the corner beyond that it's good roading for quite a piece 
the steers are as near being tired out as ever i saw them breakfast most ready in a few minutes more the table was pulled out from the wall and a chip thrust under one of its feet to offset the unevenness of the floor upon the spotless cloth were set three blue china plates with pictures of stately castles rising from lambent seas and numerous swans disporting themselves therein then came brown-jacketed potatoes a big pot of coffee a pile of yesterday's doughnuts an apple pie with one piece cut out a plate of smoking-hot biscuit and a dish of golden butter a small platter containing two or three slices of frizzled pork was placed by the old man's plate meanwhile the starry flakes came faster and faster some of the more adventurous alighted on the kitchen window and gazed in until they were finally melted at the sight a few ventured down into the well and drifting against the mossy stones gave to the slender ferns that peeped from the chinks the food they had gathered in the skies others found their way through a broad crack into the barn and fell noiselessly upon the floor with its hayseed carpet thereupon causing much wonderment and grave discussion among the fowls who were exchanging views in low tones on the topics of the morning if you had been in the woods you would have heard the tick-ticking of the tiny crystals like the dancing of myriads of fairy feet upon the dry leaves which still clung to the oak and beech so fell the snowflakes over meadow and fallow wood and hill bringing the materials that should be built up into corn and wheat during the coming year and thus provide food for thousands who would then be reciting their prayers for daily bread without a thought that the answers had begun so many months before now either by a preconcerted plan or by an impulse of the moment one of the most daring of the advance guard of the storm resolved to have a wild ride before he gave up his substance to winds and earth and so it came about that a chubby nose which had previously been flattened against one of the plate glass windows of a pullman car on a northbound train suddenly withdrew itself and a childish voice exclaimed oh miss amory it's snowing it's snowing here's a little mite of a flake on the window oh mamma won't it be nice sleighing for santa claus he can come right on the tops of the trees i saw a lot that looked just like frosted cake oh dear yes dear said the quiet lady in the next chair glancing up from her seaside pamphlet only don't speak so loud morris you will disturb the other people in the car miss amory persisted the boy but in lower tones won't you go out and coast with me and take a great long long sleigh ride to-morrow yes morris if mamma would like me to replied the one addressed a little wearily she had not yet quite schooled herself to her position this young governess and the constant reference to even such trifles as the boy's request to a higher authority still jarred on her spirits she had not indeed like most paper heroines been accustomed to the luxuries of wealth with phalanxes of servants devoting themselves exclusively to her service and amusement but she had enjoyed the comforts of a well-to-do new england home the independence of american girlhood and the priceless blessing of a mother who understood her thoroughly and was always ready to sympathize with her daughter's pleasures and troubles alike 
to counsel or remain silent as the case might be and to help her out of all her girlish perplexities from the choice of a ribbon to the treatment of an importunate suitor it was a brave thing this setting her face resolutely to the world and she had accordingly made up her mind at the start to look for and meet every unpleasant concomitant to her new position without a murmur at first she had been uncertain at what door she should knock of all those opening into the tower called self-support but as she approached one of them flew open before her hand was raised a lady who was spending the summer near by gave out word that she wished for a governess to take charge of her two children and accompany them to the city in the autumn miss amory's bright face and gentle ways won the children at first sight she was retained on trial and had proved too great a treasure to be relinquished mrs walton had been more than kind and considerate but her very efforts to offer attentions and induce the new governess to forget her position only made it more marked like an erasure upon white paper miss amory scolded herself twenty times a day and devoted herself more and more to her duties but still she could not help looking forward to next summer when when well beyond that it was all vague at any rate there might be some change for the better perhaps she could give music lessons or could teach school something she would do where she was her own mistress the train rumbled on and the storm increased twice they had to stop and back before they could push their way through a narrow cut where the huge drifts were wedged in solidly from brim to brim at last just as the december light was fading from the sky hurried by the whirling snow mist the cars came to a standstill beside a long low building and the conductor shouted hey brook hey brook ten minutes later two sleighs one in advance loaded with boxes and parcels the other with the ladies and the two children crept slowly up the hill that led from the little brown station to the main road for a while the houses on each side and a few half-obliterated tracks made navigation comparatively easy but once out of the village it became a matter of nice calculation the sleet stung the faces of the drivers and formed little icy crusts over the eyes of the patient horses who struggled on setting their hoofs down firmly into the smooth unbroken sheet of snow and sending it out on either side like foam suddenly there was a creak a lurch and then a dead stop the drivers consulted in muffled tones as they examined the harness broken just above the buckle nothing to hitch to oh, better call up the old man to get wesley to help is only a step further in the corner in the sleigh mrs walton and her governess covered with heavy buffalo robes waited patiently the children fidgeted i want to get out and wade no maury you just keep still and perhaps santa claus will come along and help us he must have started by this time hm guess reindeers wouldn't do much good i wish i had my pony here why miss amory how cold your hand is why you've been keeping that robe over me and you're right out in the cold see the snow on her sleeve mamma oh i don't mind interposed the little governess but her teeth chattered and it was an intense relief when she heard a new strong voice just outside where are they marston 
in that heap of buffaloes after a moment's pause the robes were lifted and before she could say a word the girl felt herself raised from the sleigh and borne along through the storm in a pair of stout arms while the same cheery voice said beg your pardon miss it's the only way the house is but a few rods from here thank you she answered smiling in spite of the cold at her situation but i'm afraid i shall tire you the young man said nothing but gravely picked his way between drifts and treacherous hollows once he staggered and nearly fell with his burden she instinctively threw her arms round his neck like a child to save herself withdrawing it quietly a moment after he plodded on in silence he's a gentleman she thought or he would have laughed or joked about it close behind them the men were following with those left in the sleigh and the whole company were soon gathered round lisbeth's fire exchanging comments throwing aside their snowy wraps and refreshing themselves with hot tea just like a desert island whispered morris only savages don't have doughnuts and milk returned edie helping herself liberally the fire leaped higher and glowed more and more ardently in its efforts to warm the castaways until they were glad to draw back their chairs from the hearth all except the little governess who was still chilled through and through although she meekly drank three cups of hot tea in succession and crouched as near the friendly fire as she could without scorching the pretty dark blue travelling dress little ripples of shiver seemed to run over her from head to foot like a cold breeze i think if you please i'll go to my room she said at last with a grateful look at lisbeth who was watching her anxiously and who doubtless supposed her to be a relative probably the children's aunt governess was an idea that had not struck haybrook except through the medium of an old english novel or two well just step right in here she said sympathetically and don't you get up till you're called in the morning as she spoke she opened one of the little grey uneven doors behind her guests and lighting a tallow candle in a knobby brass candlestick placed it upon some article of furniture within good-night she said again kindly don't let me disturb you by my travelling round the kitchen getting breakfast you can leave the door open a crack for company if you're lonesome End of part one